I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, you know what we got Sunday. It's Bucks at Green Bay. The Packers at the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. But it's not going to be frozen. In fact, I think I saw, uh, Steve, with the weather, it might be as warm as like 40 41? Yeah, well, like, then, you know, that definitely the Bucks are winning now. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, <laughs> they don't win under 40. So, um, But this, of course, big game. Both teams, same record, 6-7. and seven. Difference is the Bucks are in first place. They do control their own destiny. That's assuming, of course, they can win uh, their last four games. And um, it starts, starts with the Packers. And Packers coming off really a tough loss, you know, to Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants and that whole – sort of uh, chicken parm thing going up there. I don't even know what it is uh, with the Giants. But I'll say this about, you know, the last time the Bucks were in Lambeau, of course, one of the greatest memories of all time for Buck fans is when Tom Brady, you know, won the NFC Championship game. Now, that was 2020 when uh, – it was January 2021, but it was a 2020 season when there was very few fans, and they said 9,000. It, it sounded and felt like about at least 50,000, and they were banging placards and all that stuff. But there is no Tom Brady. There is no Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's just, you know, a, a whole new, you know, both teams have, have changed so dramatically um, that, you know, there are pieces. But but this is regular season football. And in regular season football, I saw this stat, and I couldn't believe it because I've been to most of these games, if not all of them. Since 1990, okay, in the regular season, at Lambeau Field, the Bucks are one and fourteen in the regular mm-hmm. season. Wow! <laughs> and I think I wrote every one of those game stories. Man, it's just incredible. One and fourteen. Yeah, well, so, it feels like a Bay of Pigs up there. I mean, I know. Uh, let's go to the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, up there in Green Bay, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Um, and that's that's true because. You know, of course, you had Brett Favre, right? And a lot of those losses, in fact, I think the balance of them were in the early, you know, 90 all the way up, you know, until Tony Dungy arrived in Tampa Bay midway through the 90s. And then probably when they went to the NFC South in 02, um, of course, they only have one win. So I'm not saying, hey, things really turned around. Um, but the balance of those, you know, they were they were in the NFC, NFC Norris division, the NFC a central, they called it back in the day, and then it became the NFC North, and that's when the Bucks ended up in a different division. But they would go up there and play every year, and every year it was you know it was Brett Favre, and then it was Aaron Rodgers, and now you got Jordan Love, who look he's playing good football, and they had a, a, a tough defeat, but Matt Lafleur does really well in December. Um, shocking that they they sort of let one go last week, but they're still in the postseason hunt, and. The Bucks have a great opportunity because this is a team they could beat. They got a little momentum. They've won two in a row. Um, they haven't played particularly well in spots. And we'll get to that on offense in particular. If there's, and, and this was interesting because, you know, I 
did some radio and I, I write the sort of the notes call notes about injuries and things. And the big development on Thursday was that Devin White was back at practice and and full participation. And so like normally that would be greeted with a yeah man if you're a Bucks fan, hey we got Devin back, cool. Uh actually people are the opposite about this. Like they're not just lukewarm. They don't want him playing. And when I say they, I mean a, a, a vocal, uh, maybe majority, I suppose, of people have spoken up. You mean Bucks Twitter? Bucks Twitter, radio, a little bit of radio, you know, just well, kind of listen to the Radio's flagship. still on. Kyle Trash to be starting this week, and the Bucks are in first place. <laughs> no. Okay. Yes, you're right. That's absolutely ridiculous, too. And you're right. I've had to listen to this nonsense. Sorry, guys. I know you know I know who you are, and you know me, uh, and I know you listen to the podcast, but can we stop? Can we just stop with the Kyle Trask thing? Like, they are in first place, Steve. You're exactly right. You know, they had the whole eight days to first place. Well, they made it, okay? And I don't care that they're six and seven, and neither does anybody else. But apparently, maybe they should because people think that if they inserted Kyle Trask in the, into the conversation, then then they would never lose. And that's just not the case, you know? They've had Kyle Trask. They know who Kyle Trask is. They went through the preseason. They had their competition, and they decided he was not going to be their starting quarterback. So why, now that you have fought your way back to first place, are you going to pull the ripcord and say, yeah, you know what we really need? The guy that we sat on the bench for three years. He's been the secret the whole time, and we didn't know it. Um, it's Tom Brady I, sitting over there. Didn't you know that? Apparently. Like, I know there's a lot of backup quarterbacks playing, like dudes we've never heard of. And may never hear of again. Hey, how about Aiden O'Connell? <laughs> well, yeah. See, that's what the that's see now you're bait now now you're saying what Kyle Trask's fans are going to say. Well, we thought Aiden O'Connell was any good. He just hung fitty. What is it now? What's what's the oh, score? Wait, no, no, we, I, hold on. The Raiders just scored again. Now it's sixty three. <laughs> no, it's not. I think it's a pick six. I just looked up. I no, it's not. The quarterback's walking 60? up the field, and it's still fourteen and a half minutes to go. They don't have 60. Tell me they don't 62, have 62. 62, pending the extra point. 63 they coming. do not have 62 points. Yeah, pick six, I believe. <laughs> what if they take, I mean, Miami scored 70 70 on the Denver. Broncos, yeah. Oh, that's a, oh, geez. They may go after that. They're just into the fourth quarter a little bit, uh, right? Thir- 29 seconds into the fourth. Oh, my pick God. Pick six. Okay, so let's have a conversation, people. <laughs> you freaking people. We're going to get you a mailbag questions too, by the way. We got some of those. Those are, those are interesting. Um, so stay, stay tuned for that. So I hear a lot of complaints, you know, because that's what really social media has become. And no one's happy, okay? Everyone, everyone has a grievance, everybody. So I just want to say this. If you want to see a poorly coached team. If you want to see a team that's playing for nothing, if you want to see what it looks like when you have a staff that knows they're fired and players that are, have detuned them out and decided, you know what? The guy is wrong. I'm going to make business decisions out here. We got no chance. What we're doing sucks. And I'm going to protect myself. Because I want a career and I'm not going to lay it on the line for this guy or anyone else right now. That is the Chargers and Brandon Staley's team. 
In what way do they resemble the Buccaneers? Uh, I'll answer that over here, Rick Stroud. What do you got? Uh, no way. That would be in no way. Do they resemble the Bucks? And see, that's the problem I have with with you know. Well, we hate get rid of Bowles and get rid of this guy and fire that guy and the quarterback's no good. Listen, bad teams look like the Chargers. That's what they look like. And I've seen plenty of them in Tampa Bay over my years. I I know exactly how it looks and how it feels and all that. But this team is fighting, okay, for each other. They're, They're playing hard for the head coach. They don't always play smart. And I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that, you know, Todd Bowles is the second coming of Vince Lombardi because I don't think he is. But having said all that, this is not the loser's mentality. And, and, you know, I think they're getting a good bit out of the talent that they do have. I think people – well, it depends on who you ask because if you asked in the beginning of the season, people at Sports Illustrated or ESPN, they would have told you, yeah, the Bucs are awful. Like, we think, how awful? Um, I don't know, 31st out of 32 teams awful? And I, everybody, I was like, what? Like, what What am I missing, man? There's talent on this team. It's not, they're not a Super Bowl contender, but 31? Really? Well, that's, that's what people in the national media and others thought. And so I'm just trying to wonder why there was such a disconnect between the pundits who sort of study these things for a living and the general fan who must have believed that Tom Brady was not really retired and he'd come back in the body of Baker Mayfield because everyone is so upset and, you know, wants to fire everybody because they're in first place. And, you know, they're six and seven. And they may make the playoffs, but it doesn't look good. They don't play well. They're just, you know, I'm. it floors me because I think they're exactly where I said they would be. I, I really thought that the absolute ceiling on this team was 10 wins, and I meant everything would have to go right. And, in fact, it will have to. everything will have to go right for them to get to 10 wins. A more realistic thing was probably another eight on the upside, nine wins. And, realistically, that's sort of where this football team is going to wind up. Um, but it didn't match everybody else's expectations. And because of that... I think there's people with a lot more interest in, you know, a change taking place than their team winning, which is weird to me because if you're a fan of a team, you know, I mean, is it, is it fun if you're a Chargers fan right now watching them do this? It's humiliating. It's humiliating for the coaching staff, for the fans, you know, like you can't have that. That's not supposed to happen in professional football, no matter what your record is, but the Bucks are still relevant. They're still alive. They still have a chance to win something. And whether you believe in them or, you know, you think they can win a playoff game against Philadelphia or Dallas, like, sure, um, long shot all the way. But this is not the worst team in the NFL by far. And I, I just think, Steve, that people, some of the things that people have said about the coach and the quarterback and, um, you know, the team in general is just, it's not realistic. It's not where they're at. They're fighting. They're fighting to try to win something, and and their goals are still in front of them, and they still, you know, can control the situation by winning every game, and that would put them right where they wanted to be at the start of the season: division champions hosting a playoff game. That's it. That's where they are. 
You know, you can't win the Super Bowl. You can't win the championship if you don't get in the playoffs. That's the goal. You got to make it. Yeah. You, that's that's the goal of it. Whether it takes, you know, 12, 13 wins to win a division or you can do it with eight. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's get in. Mm-hmm. And as you've often said, the Bucks have eight division championships in their 46 year history, whatever, something like that. Yeah. You know, they win this year, it'll be their ninth, their second in a row. Right. Like, that doesn't happen that often in this franchise's history. Mm-mm. And, you know, whether Todd Bowles is the right coach for this organization, you can have that debate. Absolutely. And and I'm sure there'll be discussions after the season. whether The that's... Glazers will have that mm-hmm. debate, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing in this season that tells you that those changes should be made in season, as you've no. said. There's, there's The team's making mistakes whether it's different guys every week or whether it's coaching, whatever. But as you said, they're fighting their tails off. And and even though they, what, lost, what, five out of six games or six out of seven, whatever it was in that stretch, yeah, never felt like, you never felt like they weren't fighting. You never felt that. No, they were, they were trying to, they were playing hard. I mean, and even, you know, Bulls said that many times. It gets annoying that you're like, hey, the effort is there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just not, we're not executing. We're not playing smart. We've got some blown coverages here. We got some, you know, poor blocking there. Um, but no, but no one, even the fans, I don't think, can question the effort. Um, and that's really all you can ask, a, you know, a team to do is, is play hard, play fast, play smart, and then you know, nothing's nothing's ever perfect, right? Um, and I think they've responded pretty much every time they've been challenged in that regard. And here they are again; they're going to be challenged again in Green Bay, um, where. Weather aside, it's still a tough place to play, and Jordan Love is playing at a high level, and you know the, the Packers know how to win in December, and that's what that's what the Bucks are trying to do. So it, it's to me, it's a uh, it's an interesting game that the matchups are such, and I think if if you want to give the Bucks uh, why there's a reason they would win, it's this. Um, in the last few weeks the Bucks have learned how to run the football when they want to run it, right? Now, teams have helped them because they have insisted on playing too high safety, too high safety, uh, seven-man fronts, and so they're inviting you to run the football. Well, finally, they've done that, and you can start to see Rashad White feeling good about the run game. They've got Mayfield in the shotgun. It's kind of a pistol formation, and you know, he's seeing the holes and he's hitting it up in there violently and all those things that Skip Pete and those guys told him to do, he's kind of doing it. And the last three weeks, they ran for like 125, 126, and 140-something as a team, which is huge for them. Here's the rub. The Green Bay Packers, 31st against the run. They don't stop the run. For whatever reason, they got guys, right, that, that are look you know, Pro Bowl players on the defensive line and, and other places, but um, they have struggled to run. They have st- struggled to stop the, to run. And, and if you're going into Green Bay, the biggest factor might be wind. If there is any on Sunday, uh, the cold is what it is, and it's not going to be un- unseasonably cold. It's just going to be cold. So remove all that, and you just say, okay, how are the Bucks going to win this game? Well, they've started to run the football, and if you can run and get them out of the cover too which Joe Barry is their defensive coordinator, which is Rod Marinelli's son-in-law and was on the staff of the Bucks and the linebackers coach when they won the Super Bowl. So Joe Barry runs a lot of Tampa too as well. 
And what'll be interesting to see is if he continues to, you know, dare a Tampa Bay team that just ran for one forty something to run the football against a seven man front because they will. And I, I think the Bucks could be really successful doing it. Now there's some there's some red flags <laughs> coming around too with the Bucks as well, and we can talk about that um, in just a minute. And we got uh, some mailbag questions coming up as well, and some of those, as you can imagine, are also on the Bucks. Before we get to those questions, I want to remind you that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros at May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. Now, they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement, and labor warranty. Now, that means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric, and solar is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to the new homeowner with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program the May Electric Solar's reputation in history and workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Just wrapping up a little bit on the bucks here, I, it doesn't look like Vita Vea, as, as we do this podcast, is, is going to be available. I think it'll be a game-time decision like he was last week, um, but that toe is injury or foot injury is not good. Um, you know, you miss a game, then you come back the next week, you don't practice Wednesday or Thursday, uh, probably won't do much of anything on Friday. So uh, not having him against the Packers is certainly going to hurt. And then we'll have to see what happens with Carlton Davis because he's also been struggling with a groin injury, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. The good news is, is that Jamel Dean looks like he'll be back. So once again, you know, either Jamel or Carlton seem to miss uh, at least, you know, miss a game every week uh one of them and so zion mccallum has been a huge improvement this year in his game and he will start the opposite of uh jamel most likely uh when they get up to green bay so something to watch there with the injuries as we get closer to sunday's game all right and i don't know if this trade is final as we do this steve but it looks like that uh, they're going to go ahead and the rays are going to trade Tyler Glass now and Manny Margot to the Los Angeles Dodgers now that the Shohei deal is th- is done. Yeah, so the deal is agreed to. Uh, I think the Rays are sending four million dollars uh, to L.A. in this. The grant those two players are set to make I think thirty seven million this year, but it it's all dependent on Glass now agreeing to an extension. So it may right. take a couple days even for this trade to be finalized. Uh, but at this point, the Dodgers are negotiating with Glass now on a long term extension. Dodgers aren't going to give up the prospects unless they get him signed longer term. So, you know, I I understand why they're doing it, and you know, Glass now has not pitched. I don't think what is it a hundred hadn't pitched one hundred and fifty innings in any season or one hundred four innings one hundred forty mm-hmm. innings season. I don't know what what the stat is, but so injuries have been a concern, remain a concern. Um, they weren't going to sign him to an extension, I don't believe. So that sort of necessitates the trade. But boy, oh boy, um, put him on the mound with that lineup that the Dodgers are going to be able to throw out there every day and some run support. Well, let's and see if the Dodgers get Yamamoto too from Japan who they're oh still. Oh my God. That's right. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a dream scenario, and you know Manny Margot. Yeah. And part of the reason the Dodgers want to extend Glass now long term is he's set to make twenty five million this year. But if they so the the luxury tax calculation is based on average annual salary, which resets to twenty five mil for Glass now, even though he made six last year on this deal, twenty five this coming season. But because of the trade. So they do a longer-term deal. They can spread out that AAV to not hit that luxury tax this year, much like they did with Shohei Otani deferring all that money. And so it's, right, it's, a, it's trying to it's the Dodgers trying to stay under the luxury cap, the luxury tax, as well as you know load their roster up. So yeah, it's huge, man. But you know the Rays will you know getting back an, an outfielder and a pitcher of uh, you know back their way. So mm-hmm. it, it may. When have they? I would say this. When have they missed? Right. The I mean, Blake, you the Blake, Snow, Blake trade. Snow is the one that's going to yeah. come up, right? But they they hit more often than they don't. They do. Yeah. And, you know, and and, Blake, and and this may end up being a win win trade. Could be. Yeah. You know, which like kind of the Willie Adamas trade was kind of a win win. That's fair. Willie's done really well. Willie's in done great for them. You know, Drew Rasmussen coming back has done great for the Rays when healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, trades don't have to be. One team, one or the One-sided, other. Yeah, you know, and part of this, Manny Margot, the Rays like Margot, but mm. they've got Siri, they've got a Rosarena, they've got Luke Rayleigh, right. they've got Josh Lowe. I mean, you know, all of a sudden Margot's your fifth outfielder. You know, right. making twelve million a year that doesn't work in their system. No, you know, and mm. so you know, so a lot of this, you know, the, the trade doesn't have to be a win or lose. That's you right. Know, the, the the thing is, is, the Rays when they make a trade, more often than not, are happy with what came back. Yeah. And, you know, you hope that it happens again for them this year, you know, because they're right. going to they're going to need pitching. So you're going to need this. Uh, uh, what is it? Pepiot, I think is his name. Pepiot, Yeah. You're going to need him to probably contribute some this year in the, in the starting line, yeah. in the starting rotation. I mean, Eflin's now your ace for the season because McClanahan's not there. Rasmussen's and yeah. Springs won't be there at the beginning of the season. At some point, Shane Boz will join them, but we don't know when. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, what the Rays do the rest of. The offseason and, and getting rid of $37 million in salary, can now they can maybe make some other moves, you know, with whatever their budget constraints are. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's surprised necessarily, but disappointed. I go back to discouraged. It's just I can see him in L.A. Uh, just being dominant, you know. Uh, but he's been that in Tampa, too. The problem has been he's not been able to extend himself and get through a, mm-hmm. a bunch of innings in any season, so – um, buyer beware on that one. The Rays, like I said, they don't get rid of, rid of many players that they wish they had back, and um, they do a good job of acquiring, you know, talent coming their way as well. So, again, there's bound to be more changes and, and moves before this spring training begins sometime at the end of February, March, but this is a big one. You know, this is a, a big transaction for them and one that is not unexpected. But then you hear the Dodgers and you go, wait, wait a minute, Dodgers, man, like, geez. Kind of club they're building out there. That's a good one. All right, we got time for some mailbag questions, and you people had some questions. Let me assure you. If you, you, I wrote back. I couldn't wait. Uh, but we'll do the rest of them uh, now, and uh, let's get started. All right, we got a question. We'll, we'll do a little college football real quick here, but rooting for UF ask. Can John Gruden go through the 2024 Florida football schedule? Let me see if I can find it here. I think I got it. It's a, um, it's, it's a, we had another question, and while you're looking it up, Les asked. Yeah. Okay. Rick, do you see UF schedule in 24? Brutal, 
especially the five games in November. Napier's seat is hot, so how many wins does he need in 2024 to be back in 2025? I'll tell you what, man. I can't wait for the Gators. You know what I mean? I like the Gator chomp. I like that better than the Tomahawk. August 31st, they play the University of Miami Hurricanes win. September 7th, they play a team called Sanford, not to be confused with Stanford, win. September 14th, I remember a guy named Jimbo Fisher used to coach this team, Texas A&M. My former quarterback, Brad Johnson, his kid played quarterback. He's gone. He's in the portal. Win. September 21st, they got the Mississippi State Bulldogs on the road. You ever been to Starkville, man? I have. That's a win. (laughs) September 28th, if you spend any time in Starkville, you need a week off. You know what I mean? That's a cow palace up there, man. October 5th, they're going to host the University of Central Florida Knights from the Big 12. Win. October 12th, it's a rocky top, Tennessee. Look out. Here come the Gators. Win. October 19th, University of Kentucky. No Rick Patino. No, no basketball going on up there. Win. October 26th, you need another bye week. Because you're getting ready. The largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, Florida, against the Georgia Bulldogs win. November 9th at Texas. I've seen Matthew McConaughey enough times on the sideline. I'm kind of sick of that. You know what I mean? All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. right. Win. November 16th at LSU. Roll Tigers. Tiger King. Joe Burrow. Not there anymore, man. Win. November 23rd, they're going to play the Ole Miss Rebels. They still play Dixie. That's a win. And then finally, November 30th, the game to decide who's going to be left out of the national championship. (laughs) Oh, just don't lose your quarterback. (laughs) That's right. As long as they don't lose their quarterback, they're going to win. And they'll be part of the national championship tournament, which I believe is about 25 teams next year. There you have it. The undefeated Florida Gators, coach of the year, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, you name it, undefeated. Now, that November schedule is rough. Woof. Really, man, look at that. So you start off at at Georgia, (laughs) against Georgia, like, wow. And then... Texas is first year in the SEC. You got to go down there. That'll be a shock, right? That's mm-hmm. a new new venue. They'd be excited about that. But then it's LSU at home. Okay, at least you got them at home, but it's LSU. Maybe you catch a breather, I don't know, with uh, Lane Kiffin's team, Mississippi at home. But then you wind up finishing out November at Florida State. Jeez. That one is tough. That one's tough. So, um, so how many wins are Napier? How many wins? How many games they play, man? <laughs> I think uh, two, three, four, five. Twelve. I got them twelve and zero, man. There you go. Twelve and zero. 
Plus, they play the SEC title game 13-0, and and they will not make the national tournament because they'll be left off the schedule. Tell you what, if you play that schedule and, and, and you only lose one or zero games, I mean, that's such a brutal schedule. Like, you have to make the tournament. Plus, there's what? There's a 12 team, 14 teams? Is that what they're doing? 12 teams, yeah. 12 teams, yeah. They'll, make, they'll be one of the 12. Uh, no, listen, I, I don't know what Billy Napier's going to do. Um, I have my doubts about him, quite frankly. But he's got he's gonna have one more shot to prove it. You know, the SEC with Texas in there. I mean, Mike Elko is taking over at A and M's for Jimbo Fisher. Um, but going down to Texas November ninth, that's gonna be really hard. You know. It, it's and in another previously announced game of note, and this is not the Gators, but we're just talking college football here. USF goes to Alabama. Remember, they're, they're returning the favor for that. They go to Alabama, and they also go to Miami. And they go to Miami. That's right. And they go to Miami. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, so, yeah. No, that's that's a tough schedule for Gators. It really is. I don't know that I'd want my, my job depending on navigating that if I'm Billy. But uh, that's that's what you came to Florida to do, I guess. But, yeah, it's it's – and as Bat Baker writes in the Tampa Bay Times, it's it's arguably, and I don't think it is arguably, but um, the toughest schedule in program history. You know, yeah, I mean, six top twenty-five, five in the top thirteen. Like, man, that's brutal. But All right. Well, speaking of Matt Baker, yeah, Dan writes. Matt Baker often talks about dudes. Dudes. Bama has them. Vandy doesn't. Do you think the Buccaneers have a bunch of dudes that are outplaying the coaching, or do you think the coaches are overcoaching and outcoaching a team full of not dudes? 13 weeks in, and I can't figure out if nine guys on the field in a goal line situation is on the coaching staff, or if Carlton Davis getting torched week after week is on Carlton Davis. Thanks for your time. My son and I love listening to the podcast on the way to school each morning. Who is this now? Dan. Dan? Hey, Dan. Thanks, man. Danny, Daniel, eh. Um, that was my Ira Kaufman. So here's what I think. Yeah, here's, what know, I, here's what I think. Uh, I think we can have a go. Yeah, we can have a go. Inside joke. So I don't think there is the, is it them or me? You know, it's, there's not this sort of like, it's the coaching, right? It's the players. No, it's the players. No, it's definitely the coaching. No, I think, no, you're right. It's the players. It's all of the above, man. You know, and the whole, the nine, first of all, let's address the nine men on the field. Okay. Should never happen. Professional football shouldn't happen. Can't have it. Can't win with it. Does it happen? Yes. Almost in every single game that you watch, uh, you'll have a player coming off late, a player going on late, a team having to call timeout. The the sad thing was they didn't use a timeout. Like that somebody should have just said, Hey, just, let's get this right. Timeout. That did, that should have happened. And so ultimately it is the coach's fault. Um, but then we talked to Larry Foote and he said, Look, you guys can blame Bowles if you want to. He goes, But that's on me. That's on the assistants. Like we run the personnel groupings and they were going fast and you know, Will Golson gotten hurt, and the guy that was in on the goal line as his backup didn't realize that Will was not coming back in the game, and so he didn't go out there. And another guy came off unexpectedly, and he wasn't supposed to come off. So that's how we ended up with nine. But totally on us, man. Like you know, our job as co-defensive coordinators and staff 
is to make sure we got the right personnel groupings in at all time, you know, and Todd's calling the defense, assuming that we're going to have 11 players. Um, but does it's a reflection. Everything's a reflection on the head coach because he's the face of the franchise and I get that. And you know, it's his mantra is, you know, coach better, play better. Well, that's one where you got to coach better, you know, and yet the players were part of that. And, you know, one guy wasn't doing what he was supposed to do and that that's what happened. But it's been a big focus of fans, especially those that want Todd Bowles out of here. And, uh, you know, they're going to seize on everything. But, yeah, that was a that was a horrible look. It was unfortunate. Scott writes, 14 of 29, 144 yards, two TDs, zero interceptions. That's 48% completions and just awful yards for an NFL team. Two weeks in a row. He's inaccurate, and those were both against bad teams. Yeah, Trask couldn't complete less than half his passes. He'll never win a Super Bowl, so who would pay big money for him? Tampa needs to move on. I just wish Trash had a shot with the number ones in the game. Tampa and the South are below average teams. Now they play another six and seven Green Bay team, but after last night, what's the saying on any given Sunday? Well, that is the saying. Um, that's one thing I agree with you on. The rest of it, I'm not so sure. Uh, I will say this, and uh, you know, we'll have written about it by the time you see this. And I asked Dave Canales about it the other day. Um, 14 to 29 is, is, is horrible. Okay. The, the number, you know, being, being 48.3% and doing it exactly twice in two weeks is what's alarming. You know, like what is going on with Baker? Like what, you know, NFL quarterback should hit minimum of 60% and you want them really to be about 65 or better. Uh, because again, it's, it's the NFL. These are the best of the best. 14 completions. Think about that now. 14 completions in a, in an NFL football game. Uh, it, it's difficult to expect guys to make plays if there's only 14 completions. And Baker, I thought, in this past game was sort of freaked out um, by some of the talent that he was seeing, especially, you know, at safety. Uh with uh, with what Bates and those guys, so they had a good plan for Mike Evans. They basically traveled with him with their best corner, and then put a safety on top of him aggressively on every play. Um, but Baker missed throws, and he also was put in a position. I thought the last couple of weeks of, hey, it's first down. Now we ran it. It's second and nine. We ran it again, and it's third and seven, third and six. Can you bail us out? You know. And and if you're only throwing on third down a, a large portion of the time, it's 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 tough, man. Like everyone knows, you got to throw on third down, and it's it's much easier to make plays early in the series. But this is something I wonder about Baker: is you know why is the arrow starting to, to point down these last two weeks? You know why why is a guy that at one point was completing eighty something percent on third down now? you know, is below 50 overall. And is it fatigue? Is it an injury? Um, you know, is he not very good? Like, just kind of waiting and seeing, but he's got to pick it up, man. And and I think he knows it. I think he knows he's he's got to pick it up and play better. They're not going to put Trask in because they know exactly who Trask is. They've had him for three years, and if they thought he could win the game, trust me, 
he'd be playing. They had every excuse, you know, a couple of weeks ago in Indianapolis. And, um, you know, when Baker got hurt on a sneak and uh, Trask came in and threw one pass incomplete in the end zone, but they could have kept Trask in there just for a while and see how he does. And I, I don't know how he'll do. He's always been a late bloomer, but I think the guys who get paid to know do. And, um, you know, it, you're not going to see Kyle Trask until or unless this team is completely eliminated. And the way things are going right now, that that might be never. You know, they could they could have a shot the last game of the week too. So we won't. We're probably not going to see Trask. Probably now if they lose, and they lose badly, and it, you know they lose again, it looks like okay, they're out of it. Um, and I don't know that that's the math. Then maybe, but what's the point? You know what they need to do is just complete more bat more passes, and Trask has has to just sit there and be ready in case there's an injury like he was in Indianapolis. And Baker needs to play better. You you can't have 14 completions, you know, in each of the two games that you just played. Now, they both were wins, you know, because uh, they ran the ball and played defense, but that's not going to hold up. He's got to play his best football right now. And he's gotten, like I said earlier, he's been crushed at Lambeau the last couple times he went there, including, I think, one game where he threw about three or four interceptions. So this has not been a good place for him. We'll see. But I don't think you're going to see Trask anytime soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Man, finally, when we started doing this podcast, and I don't mean like five years or six years ago, I mean like just tonight, the Lightning were down three to two. They were they had they'd given up 39 shots in the first two periods. Yeah, they were getting smoked. And they were up 2 nothing after one. Down three two after two, yeah. So I figured, well, this is not going to be a good road trip. They're going to lose again, and then bam, they're up. They're now up five to three late in the final period. Stammer with a hattie. How about that? Yeah, he Hooch caught. Had he he, he uh, no look shot it. Oh, it was awesome. It looked like Mahomes. Like you look one way and throw the other. It was it was the the no look slap shot just off the post and in. The guy was not expecting it. He was starting to slide over for a pass. And then all of a sudden, you know, sneaks one by him. But uh, that was a great goal. Yeah, there's about four and a half minutes left as we're taping. We're wrapping yeah. up here. Lightning up 5-3 in Edmonton. A big win if they hold on. Oh, they needed it, man. Now Does the, this wrap that, up the road trip? Is no, this the last they're, game? they're in Calgary Saturday night. Oh, Calgary, huh? So this is the longest road trip of the, the year. Five or five games, ten days. Oh, wow. No back-to-backs, which is weird on the Western Canada trip. So, no back-to-backs. Yep, no back-to-backs. They played Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Well, that's convenient. So, But, yeah, one more game in Calgary. But if they, if they hold on tonight, and by the time you listen to this podcast, you'll know. Uh, if they hold on, they're 2-2 two and two on the road trip, looking to get uh, two more points and make it six points in five games, which is all you ever ask for for a road trip in Calgary. Wow. And it would snap Edmonton's eight-game win streak. Yeah, Edmonton's been hot. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a nice win, especially when you're you know up two zero and then down three two, and mm-hmm. 
managed to uh, to finish it. Of course, I got somebody in the box now, which play by play, Darren Radish, tripping. And so kudos, kudos to Tampa though. Bay for the NCAA Final Four in volleyball record attendance at Amelie Arena for the semifinals on Thursday night. Did you say nineteen thousand or something? Nineteen like five something five four two five four eight something like that. I saw. Wow. Uh, as we uh, record this, Texas up two sets to one over Wisconsin. Uh-oh. Nebraska won the first semifinal. So. My wife's Badgers better get there, man. They were national wow. champions, I th- want to say, in 2021, I think. But NCAA keeps bringing events to Tampa Bay. It keeps setting record attendance. Frozen fours. and I don't know how he does it, man. Uh, Rob Higgins. I don't know how he does it. Him and Jim McVay every year. Incredible. But, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay keeps showing out for these events, so it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, their fans come here. Mm-hmm. That too. Right? Like, is is there a better place to travel than Tampa, like, I don't know, any December? time of the year? <laughs> yeah, right, especially December. You know, Frozen especially. 4 at the beginning of April? No, no better place. Yeah, not so much. When you're coming from, like, Nebraska or Wisconsin, like, it's cold up Pittsburgh, there, <laughs> you know. Pittsburgh is all gray. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll go to Florida, sure. Why not? They do a good job with those tournaments, man. It's pretty cool. Of course, they've had, you know, lots of different ones from Frozen Fours and NCAA basketball and all that stuff. But um, it's a high level, too, man. Like, these these are tremendous players and tremendous games. When you watch these volleyball games with these girls, it's just incredible. Oh, man, some of the some of the, the shots the and the digs, and the saves, and the, I mean, yeah. just incredible. It's crazy. Like, how do you even know... What's your hand-eye coordination when 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 a you know a spike is that hard and low and you're able to somehow keep the play alive? It's just gosh, man. I mean, it's impressive. I, I like watching them. I watched a lot of the the uh, Nebraska win, uh, and then I had to get busy and go do some stuff. But uh, yeah, good on good on Tampa Bay, man. Another national championship caliber event, and um, keep them coming. You do them all. We'll see what happens, of course, up there in Lambeau Field. I'll be headed up there on Saturday. We'll find out if uh, Vita Vey is going to be a game-time decision, if Devin White is going to start, in fact, as I think he will instead of K.J. Britt. Um, and then there's other players, too, including Carlton Davis that are nicked up, that uh, some of these will be game-time and some of these won't make it at all. But uh, you can check out the injury reports Update those all the time on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times. Appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great and safe weekend. We're getting around the holiday season. So I wanted to say also, too, Steve, we can talk about this one night. Shout out to Berkeley Prep, the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. and Coach Chow over there doing the impossible. Gets his first state title win uh, against a, a team that had, I think, 16 Division One players. I was going to say 15 or 16 Division One commits yeah. that I saw. Incredible. Yeah. Was it American Heritage or something like that? Something like that, I'm not yeah. sure exactly yeah. who they beat. But, um, but yeah, this just and, – and, and, by the way, not for nothing, but uh, Jason Light's son, Charlie, freshman on that team. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and Jason went to every playoff game, including the state final. Said it was incredible. Now Charlie didn't play much, if at all. But um, the point is this: he's part of history now. He's a member of a historical state t- state title team, which is just incredible. That's fantastic. So you can expect a big boat parade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think the Bucks Super Bowl was huge? 
Jason and the guys are planning this one, man. It's going to be wild. Um, but yeah, uh, good for them. And I meant to say something because somebody had written in about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's cool. And it's cool for Coach Chow. He's like, what is he, 70 years old or something like that? He's been around for so long. Coaching those guys, gotten close before. But now he, now he can boast that he is, in fact, a state champion, which is just tremendous. And a big upset, you know, on top of that. So congratulations to them. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Be safe out there. For Steve Erstick, I'm Rick the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.